When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Flight Deck, an inside look at the New York Jets. I'm your host, Rich Samini. I cover the Jets for ESPN. Thanks for joining us another season. I really appreciate the support, and I'm excited about this first episode of 2023. Our special guest is former Jets quarterback Vinny Testaverde. He'll join us in the second segment. For now, let's talk 23 season. Expectations are high. The excitement level is higher. Aaron Rodgers makes his debut on Monday Night Football. Bills and Jets, what could be a better stage than that on 9-11? It's got all the elements for an outstanding opener. I've been covering the Jets. This will be my 35th year, which is hard to believe. And I can honestly say that no one player I've seen has impacted the Jets more than Aaron Rodgers in his short time with the team. Now, what does it mean? How will that impact the season? Before we get into Jets bills, let's talk about that season. I've got it broken down into five reasons to be optimistic, and then we'll have five reasons to be concerned. Five reasons to be optimistic about the 2023 Jets. Number one, of course, Aaron Rodgers. It's the biggest upgrade of any one position in the NFL this season. The Jets go from Zach Wilson to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, come on. He has brought hope to the franchise. Hope is a powerful thing. Hope is stepping into the huddle and believing that the guy calling the play can get you where you want to go. The Jets haven't had that in a long time. Rodgers brings that. Hope is knowing that when you get to the line of scrimmage, the quarterback knows what he's looking at and will get you in the right play. Hope is knowing that when the play starts and he drops back, he can put the ball anywhere, down the field or into a tiny window if he has to. Rodgers brings that. Is he going to be the Rodgers of 2020 and 21 when he won back-to-back MVPs? Maybe not. Certainly not right away. But a good Rodgers is better than 25 or 26 quarterbacks in this league, and that gives you a puncher's chance. That's the number one reason to be optimistic. Number two, the pass rush, the depth. These guys can bring it. You know this. You saw it last year. They have 10 guys on the roster. I think all 10 guys may dress on the, in the opener on Monday. I think the difference, and presumably you'll see it come out more this year if the offense scores more with Rodgers, you'll see the fourth quarter pass rush go into effect. Didn't get the chance to see that last year because they were not winning a lot of games in the fourth quarter. Certainly did not have comfortable margins. So you should see that this year. The guy to watch out for, in my opinion, Jermaine Johnson. He had an outstanding training camp, a good preseason. I think he's primed. I think he will push Carl Lawson for that starting job. 
I would not be surprised if Johnson gets more snaps than Carl Lawson. The corners. The Jets have three good ones. Two of them are outstanding in DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner. When you have three corners like that in today's NFL, it just allows the defensive coordinator to call a different game. Jeff Ober can take more chances if he has to. The Jets can pretty much line up against any receiving core in the league and and shut him down. I mean, it's not going to happen every Sunday. I mean, no, no team is flawless, but they have three outstanding cornerbacks, and I think they are the catalysts of the defense. I think the Cook-Hall backfield, Dalvin Cook, Brees Hall, is another reason to be optimistic. Now, neither one of them is in top form yet, but they will work their way there. I mean, each guy is dealing with different things. For Cook, it's just simply a matter of conditioning. He hasn't had a lot of practice time coming off that injury. He signed late, so it's just a matter of getting into form. He obviously feels fresh. For Hall, it's a different kind of challenge. You know, it's getting trust in that surgically repaired knee. He's looked good in practice. He has not lost any speed. Uh, he's hitting 23 on the GPS, according to coaches. But as I've been told by medical experts, speed is not the key indicator when you're coming off an ACL injury. It's all about acceleration, lateral movement. We'll have to see how that develops as the season goes on. But you're going to see Cook and Hall Monday night against Buffalo. And the fifth reason, Garrett Wilson. He is an emerging star. Uh, he has a chance to be... Uh, to Aaron Rodgers what Devontae Adams was to Aaron Rodgers for all those years in Green Bay. Both number 17s, coincidentally. Wilson is outstanding. Rodgers loves him. He trusts him. And the thing that I found interesting, he said when it, when Garrett comes down to, off to the sideline to talk, he goes, he they call, Rodgers calls those high-level conversations. Wilson is so smart about football that he can have those high-level conversations with a very cerebral player like Aaron Rodgers. So that's the fifth reason to be optimistic. Now, five concerns. Offensive tackle, durability concerns with Dwayne Brown and Makai Becton. Brown, you know, missed the entire training camp. He's had a few practices. I was told he even missed some practice time earlier this week when the team didn't have to put out an injury report. I still don't think he was back 100%. Coming off that rotator cuff injury, he's 38 years old. So that, coupled with the injury and the lack of activity in the training camp, makes you wonder a little bit. Now, Becton, phenomenal summer. I mean, one of the uh, inspirational stories of the summer coming off his knee injury. Wins the starting job at right tackle. Missed practice on Friday due to an illness. I don't think it's a serious illness. I think, basically, I was told it was basically cold-like symptoms. However, you know, he's still not 100%. You know, when you have two knee surgeries on the same knee and you miss basically two years and you come back, you're you're not going to be 100% right away. And the body has aches and different parts of the body uh, come into effect. So keep an eye on that. If Becton and Brown are healthy and can, you know, withstand it, the pounding of the season, I think they'll be okay at tackle, but it's an issue. Number two, number two concern, who's the number two option on offense? Teams are going to try to take away Garrett Wilson. I mean, teams are not stupid, so they're going to shade their coverages to Wilson. Where does Rodgers go with the ball then? Can Alan Lazard be the number two? I don't know. I mean, I didn't see a lot of great things from Alan Lazard in training camp, to be quite honest. Uh, dropped a lot of passes. So who's going to be the number two? Can one of the tight ends step into it? 
Could it be McCole Hardman? That's a big question. Another question, the team speed on the perimeter on offense. Wilson's fast. Who else Who else is fast? I mean, McCole Hardman is exceptionally fast, but what kind of role is he going to have? Is he going to be a gadget guy? Is he going to be on the field enough to impact defenses with his speed? It's a little bit of a concern for me. And lastly, another concern is the safety position. Uh, Jordan Whitehead, solid, strong safety, box safety, not a ball hawk. Uh, Tony Adams, opposite, big-time range, can get his hands on the ball, but very inexperienced. I'm very curious to see if they need to get more production out of those safeties this year than they did last year. I think you could see some three-safety looks on Monday night against Buffalo. Adrian Amos, a veteran guy who's been his star- starter his entire career with Green Bay, is now a backup. But if you were watching the preseason games closely, the Jets did use some three-safety looks when the opposing team had two tight ends. The Bills have been using more two tight ends. At least they showed that in the preseason. Would not be surprised if you see some of that three-safety or big nickel look on Monday night. A prediction. I think the Jets are going to win 10 games this year. They're going to go 10-7. and They have a brutal schedule, especially early in the season. Six of their first eight opponents are against 2022 playoff teams. On paper, looking at the strength of schedule, it's the sixth hardest schedule in the league. It's the third hardest in the AFC. Interestingly enough, the two other teams are New England and Buffalo with uh, with harder schedules. So the Jets are right up there with divisional foes. So I'm saying 10-7. and seven. They grab a wild card. If they can steal one, well, not steal one. I don't want to use that word, even though they are an underdog. But if they can win on Monday night, that would be huge for this team and for this program going forward. Hey, we're joined now by former Jets quarterback Vinny Testaverde, who, in my opinion, still has the greatest quarterback season that I've witnessed, and I've been covering the Jets for 35 years. That was 1998. Wayne Vinny had a great, great season. Vinny, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Rich. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's so thanks for taking the time. Uh, I'm wondering, Jet fans are immensely excited about this coming season. Uh, I know you follow the team closely from down in Florida, and you were even at training camp recently, if I'm not mistaken. What was your takeaway, you know, jumping up to Florham Park for a day and, and the vibe around the team? Yeah, you know, I'm uh, I'm a big fan of the Jets now, and um, just going to camp a few weeks ago, uh, hearing about all the excitement uh, on hard knocks and, and everybody talking about it. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited. I liked what I saw at, at training camp. Obviously, I got a small dose of uh, what's to come, uh, but uh, they're they're working hard. They're doing good things, and uh, I'm looking forward, as, as all Jets fans are, to a great season. So when you found out that this Rodgers trade was official back in, in late April, the Jets had Aaron Rodgers, what was your instant reaction? Uh, probably like most Jets fans, I did not want to believe it, you know, uh, because I, I figured uh, he played in Green Bay for so long that he would finish out his career in Green Bay, but uh, until he actually walked in the building, uh, you know, I, I wasn't uh, believing that he was a, a New York Jet. Yeah, I think a lot of I like think a lot of Jet people, a lot of Jet players felt the same way a, a little bit. Yeah, they were yeah. kind of kind of starstruck, and they felt it was a little bit surreal. But 
Uh, you know, Aaron is 39. You are like a great example of a quarterback who had good years later in his career. You were 35 when you had that great year with the Jets. And of course, he ended up, you know, st- continuing to start for them. Look, speaking from experience as a guy in the in the you know late 30s, around 40, who played NFL football, what are some of the challenges that he's going to face as he heads into this season? Yeah, well, there's definitely some challenges, and uh, you know, I played. Um, I retired when I was 44 years old, so um, I, I got to experience uh, quite a few years uh, after you know uh, uh, what Rod, uh, Aaron's going through right now at 39. But um, you know, and I, I briefly spoke with Aaron uh, at the practice field, and I told him the biggest thing he can do is not listen to people tell him how old he is, uh, because once that doubt creeps in or that thought of being old creeps in, uh, then it's a struggle. But uh, if you believe that. Uh, you're young at heart. You feel physically uh, in shape and, and are capable of doing the job. Then go out and, and give it your best, and can, things will continue to, to go well. And obviously, he's done it at a high, high level for a long, long time. And I expect him, um, much like Tom Brady did two years ago, to uh, play at a, a high level and be in every game and compete for a championship. Interesting that you brought up Brady. Obviously, he did that right in your backyard there down in Tampa. Um, do you think that Rodgers can pull a Brady year the first year and get the Jets to the Super Bowl? Uh, I, I, I really do. I first, you know, and the reason why I say that is because the Jets seem to have a defense uh, like they haven't had in a long, long time. Uh, they have some 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 great young players, uh, and I they're expecting to do a lot of the same things they did last year as far as their great play uh, was concerned. Um, and uh, if, if Aaron can... Uh, get those guys on the same page with him early on in the season. Uh, they're only going to continue to get better throughout the season and throughout the playoffs. And uh, they'll be hard to stop when it's the time, when the time comes for them to to take off to that next level, uh, which is the playoffs. I, you, you switch teams a few times in your career. When you switch teams, how hard is it when you go to a different city and, you know, you have to learn a new offense. Now, in Aaron's case, he doesn't have to learn the new offense because he knows this offense. He knows this coordinator already. Um, how big of an yeah. advantage is that for him? And what are some of the challenges of, you know, just going to a new team? Sure. I mean, there's a big advantage for him to already know the system. Uh, he can be as like a second coach to the other players that are still learning that system. Uh, it's better better for the quarterback to know it than the other players because it'll be easier uh, or an easier transition for the entire offense opposed to, uh, you know, Aaron having to learn a new system. Um, so I think it's to their advantage that, uh, you know, they have uh, Hackett as the coordinator and, and, and Rodgers as the quarterback under the same system. I, I think they're going to do, do well. They're going to adjust very quickly. Uh, we've seen some signs last week when Aaron uh, got to play and, on how explosive that, that offense can be, and that's just a little taste of uh, what I think what's to come. Oh, interesting. Uh, you know, of course, everybody knows the Jets will be opening on uh, the anniversary of 9-11 at MetLife. It's going to be a crazy atmosphere. It brings me back, you know, to that, you know, day in, in 2001 when, of course, you were quarterbacking the Jets uh, on 9-11 when that happened. It was a Tuesday. Uh, I know as a native New Yorker, that was uh, especially profound for you. And I remember we've talked about it a number of times over the years. When you When you look back, at that moment in time, Vinny, also in all, so how the Jets handled that? You know, the Jets were at, had a fly to Oakland that week, and of course the games get get postponed. And I think you guys were a driving force 
for that to happen, you and Kevin Mawai and, and some of the leaders on the team, uh, what are some of your most vivid memories from from that time as it relates to you know being on the Jets at the time? Yeah, I, uh, I remember it like it's yesterday. It was a Tuesday. We were, it was our day off, but a lot of the players were in the the, uh, the building uh, getting treatment and getting ready for that Oakland game coming up that that week. Um, and uh, obviously, uh, we we saw what was happening on the news, and uh, uh, the next day we had practice. Guys were going through the motions, not really focused on uh, what needed to be done on the field. Uh, that night I actually went home, went to our, our local church with my family and, and just being with some of the families there that had actually lost some loved ones or, uh, whether it was family or friends in, in the towers. Um, so, and that night I decided that, um, um, when I went back to work on Thursday morning, I, w- I went in and I saw Terry Bradway and, and Herm and Edwards. And I told them that, uh, I am not going to play Oakland. Uh, we need to take the week off. We need to get the league to, to postpone the week uh, because uh, we need to mourn as a nation and mourn together. Uh, that's what we do. That's what, what people do when they lose loved ones. And, and it certainly was a tragedy um, that, that, that took place a day and, and, and a time we'll never forget. Uh, but we had uh, some great leaders. Uh, on as far as players go, that that backed me on not wanting to go play that week. We had uh, a great head coach in Herm Edwards that that stood up for the players and and, and uh, took a stance with us. And our our GM Terry Bradway did the same, and he he um, spoke to the league about it. And everyone seemed to get on board after that with with what decision or the decision that we made as a team. And they all followed suit, and uh, we. I believe to this day that it was the right decision that we made as a team that the league made in not playing those games that week. And it was, uh, it was just the right, right thing to do at that time. Wow. Absolutely. The right thing. And of course the following week you returned to action. It was up at Foxborough. And I, I, I remember it, like you said, like it was yesterday, it was, what do you remember about the atmosphere up there and just the emotion of being back on the field and, the Jets did win that game, but I think that was almost secondary to what everyone was feeling. Do you recall what you were feeling that day? Uh, yeah, you know, it was a lot of emotion. Guys were, you know, uh, crying on the sideline during the national anthem on on both teams. Uh, I remember uh, one of the Patriots uh, had a couple of brothers that were actually uh, firemen that were down there trying to rescue people uh, that might have been stuck in the building uh, when they collapsed. And uh, it was just very emotional and, and uh, you know— uh, like we were talking about, it's something that you'll you'll never forget. Yeah, and uh, I mean, little did we know at the, the it was secondary at the time. No one knew it, but that was the game where Drew Bledsoe got hurt. And Tom Brady came in, and um, it was sort of a footnote at the particular time that it changed football history that day. But the bigger story was just um, you know the reaction to nine eleven, and um, and then just I want to talk to you about your Jet career, Vin. You know, you're you know you're one of you'll went down in franchise history as one of the best quarterbacks they've had. And I know it was big for you because you were a Long Island guy to grow up in the area. Looking back now in hindsight, you know, years and years after you finished playing, what what are some of your fonder memories of, of being with the Jets? Uh, yeah, thanks, Rich. I appreciate those those kind words. Uh, you know, just being able to go home and play for my childhood team, uh, you know, growing up, watching them. Uh, always loved the Jets. And it was just a, a great big time for me. And to have the 98 season, the way it went, was was unbelievable. Uh, you know, we were one one half away from 
making it to the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, it's, it's a game that I still think about from time to time. And I'm sure a lot of my teammates that were there do the same. But um, just great memories. I guess uh, the one thing I wish we can have back was going into the next season. I, uh, I ruptured my Achilles and we were, you know, talked about uh, to be the Super Bowl favorite that year. So I uh, just uh, some disappointment, but that that goes, uh, you know, when, with the NFL and playing football in, in, uh, in the NFL. There's a lot of ups and there's, there's a lot of downs and you just have to continue to, to go about your day-to-day business. But overall, I, I enjoyed my time playing for the New York Jets, one of my favorite places that I've played. I think you and Parcells were a good match, you know? I, I don't know, maybe because it's a New York Jersey guy thing or you, it just seemed to click, you know? And he, you know? He wasn't the easiest guy to play for, let's be honest, but why did it click with you guys? Well, I think, I think you hit it on the head. You know, we're both from the Northeast. Uh, he's a New Jersey guy. I'm a New York guy. Uh, just kind of tough-minded. Uh, you know, he, he coached me hard. Uh, maybe not always outside in, in public, but uh, when, when I screwed up, he would let me know about it. And I did my best to try and improve and, and to please him. And, and I know if I can please him, then, uh, you know, good things would follow. And, uh, you know, to this day, he's been one of my, my favorite coaches, if not my favorite coach that I've ever played for. Uh, you know, I, I, I love that guy. He's, uh, he's, he's obviously a Hall of Famer and, and one of the best of all time. I don't know if you remember this, Vinny, but, you know, Parcells obviously wanted you at his off-season conditioning program, even though it was quote-unquote voluntary, but uh, you commuted from Florida. And remember I did a story, uh, I was I actually flew back on your private jet from uh, from Tampa to, to Long Island to do a story on that. To this day, it's been my only time on a private jet, so thank you for having me. Uh, Those the good old days when I had a, a private jet that I can go back and forth on. Well, I mean, yeah, I think we should let the listeners, I think you were part of the aviation group. So I didn't, it's not like you had your private jet at your disposal. I think it was through a company, but uh, I guess it was part, you know, you didn't want to miss the Parcells workouts and you wanted to stay at home in Tampa. So you were able to accomplish both. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right, Rich. I, uh, you know, we made a commitment to, to be there and work, work out with the team. And uh, it was just, you know, coach Parcells allowed me to do that. And uh, had he not, I would have been there working out with the team and, Made up, made the time up with my family another time. So it all worked out. Oh, it's some really good memories. And uh, you were always a great guy to cover. And I always appreciated the honesty and the uh, the accessibility. And even years later, uh, I really appreciate that. And one last question before I let you go, Ben. Just a prediction on the Jets season. How do you how do you see this going? Yeah, I see it going pretty well. Um, obviously, uh, I think the uh, defense needs to to play well early on so that offense can can catch up to them because it's going to be a learning curve the first few games. And, and once they do uh, and we stay healthy, that's a big key always. Uh, I think it's going to be a heck of a year. Jets fans are going to really have a, a, a great season to look forward to. And I'm excited for one, and uh, I know all Jets fans are, and uh, I wish all those guys the best of luck. All right, awesome. Well, Vinny, thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time to join Flight Deck, and hopefully I'll see you soon. All right, Rich, thank you. Appreciate you having me on. And we're going to jump into some Q&A right now. I was going to say Twitter time like I usually do, but it's not Twitter anymore. Should I say X time? I don't know. Let's just get to the questions. Israel DMS7 has the first question. What do you think led to the complete 180 from Makai Becton? I feel like the whole Jets beat 
thought he would be traded. Uh, well, full disclosure, I did say in my bold predictions at the start of training camp that I thought Becton could be traded. Obviously not the case. He came in and he worked his way up from backup to starting right tackle. That's a credit to him. And what led to the turnaround? I think his health, number one, uh, he got into great shape. He's about 350 pounds, which is about 50 less than he was at his peak. And secondly, his knee held up. And there was some question about that early on. Now, he was working at left tackle in the beginning of training camp, as you recall. And there was a medical reason for that because his private doctor, not affiliated with the team, sent the Jets a, a, a detailed list of protocols that Makai had to follow. And one of them was that they wanted him to start at left tackle to allow him and time to build up strength in his surgically repaired right knee. Because if he played right tackle, it puts extra stress on the right knee. That's not me talking. That's his doctor, a nationally known orthopedist. And so the Jets followed those protocols. And when they felt his right knee was strong enough, they moved him to right tackle and he won the job. Now, I think the Jets coaches were as surprised as anyone. They did not go into training camp expecting Makai Becton to be their right tackle. But Max Mitchell struggled. Billy Turner wasn't great. And so the door was open for Becton. And to his credit, he stepped in and won the job. Great story. You know, we love stories like that. Um, I'm a little concerned going forward. I, I just hope he can stay healthy. I don't think he's 100% yet, and I think that bears watching. But so far, so good. Next one from Ken Scara. One, will Brees Hall be thrown right into the fire or Dalvin Cook gets the workload? Well, Kenny, uh, I think Brees will be thrown into the fire, and but I do think Dalvin Cook, and I know fantasy people are very concerned with this, I think Dalvin Cook's going to get more carries early in the year than Brees Hall. Hall is only about 10 and a half months removed from his ACL surgery. They don't want to force him. They don't want to overwork him. He's got such a bright future. They don't want to tamper with that. So my gut tells me, and also just from observing and hearing, I think Cook is going to get a few more carries than Hall, but Hall will play, and Hall's still got his speed. So if there's a crease on one of these outside zone runs, he still has the speed to take it to the house. I don't think that's any question at all about Brees Hall's speed. It's can he take a hit? How will he respond from that hit? Uh, how will he respond to the pounding of a game? What about his lateral movement? Those are the things we're going to learn as we go along. Next one from at Greg Romano 9. From your perspective, how different does this year feel compared to the year Favre was a Jet, which was, of course, 2008. You know, kind of the same and yet different, if that makes any sense, Greg, because I mean, the expectations were really, really high in 08 when Brett Favre came in, but it was different because he got there so late. He really didn't even start practicing until about August 10th because that trade was late. He missed the first preseason game and he had to learn an entirely new offense on the fly. In fact, they changed a lot of the offense to suit him. They changed their terminology. I've talked to a lot of players about this. That you know, At the time, of course, they downplayed it, but now they admit that was really hard. And I also never got the impression that Favre wanted to be there, at least not in the beginning. I think maybe it grew on him as the year went on, but I think he was just shocked to be in New York. 
to start with. He didn't want to be there. He wanted to be either in Tampa or Minnesota. And so there was that. It was sort of a rush job. With Rodgers, he arrived in April. He's been here ever since. Uh, every offseason workout, he hasn't missed one. And so I think he was able to build more of a foundation. He obviously knows the offense. This is essentially his offense. So I hope that answers your question, Greg. In some ways, it's the same in terms of the difference, uh, you know, the buzz, the expectations. But the, the football stuff is different just because of the, uh, the calendar and the way it lines up. Next one from at Jerry Westgate. He goes, less of a question, more of a comment. How, bri- how about bringing in Will McDonald on second and third down as a fifth pass rusher to spy on Josh Allen? Uh, you know, I think using a spy on Allen is not out of the realm of possibility, but I don't think Will McDonald's the guy you want to do it with. I know why you want him to do it, because he's a really good athlete and he can move, but a rookie in his first NFL game, that would be a lot to put on his plate. I think the Jets want to get Will McDonald. You're going to see him in that wide nine position, rushing off the edge, and that's where he can impact the game. I I think that would be doing him a disservice to put him in a position where he has to spy Josh Allen. If the Jets do use a spy on Josh Allen, it could be one of the safeties. Uh, Jamal Adams used to be good at that. You know, He'd be a good guy to do that. Uh, it could be as one of the safeties or, you know, perhaps a C.J. Mosley. The Jets have, will have a good plan for Josh Allen. They, they played him really well last year in both games. They split the series. So I'm not really concerned about the plan they'll have for Josh Allen. At Matt Romano, 19, with Corey Davis's departure from the team, do you think Joe Douglas will look to make a midseason trade for a proven wide receiver? I absolutely think that's on the table. I think he wants to see first what he has. He's got the four veteran guys, and then he's got the three kids. I don't think there's a need at wide receiver now unless something happens to Alan Lazard because he's really the only big body they have. Now, I know Irv Charles is a big body too, but he's never played before. But if something were to happen to Lazard, and he is dealing with a shoulder injury now. Um, I don't think it's 100%, but he'll play. If if you lose him for any period of time, then I think you definitely have to make a move for a bigger receiver. Everyone's speculating on Mike Evans. He's trying to get a contract extension from Tampa Bay. As of Friday, as of we're recording this, he had not received that extension yet. If he doesn't get one, I think he definitely could be put on the trading block, especially if Tampa Bay falls out of contention, which I think is quite likely. So there you have it. Those are our questions. Really appreciate it as always. All right, let's talk about it. Bills at Jets, MetLife Stadium, Monday night, 8-15 on ESPN. Have to throw that plug in there. This is an outstanding matchup to start the season. The Bills are the three-time defending AFC East champions. I like the Jets in this game. I do, and here's why. I mean, first of all, I think this is going to be a fairly low-scoring game. You're talking about two of the top five defenses in the league. The Jets never score a lot against the Bills. They've got eight straight games scoring less than 21 points. I think they can I think they can eclipse 20 points this time because of the Rodgers factor, but I think the difference in this game will be the Jets' pass rush and 
I just think they'll come at the Bills in waves. People talk about the Jets' offensive line having some questions. Well, I think the Bills' offensive line has some questions as well. The Jets usually play, or at least last year, they played Josh Allen pretty well. Uh, so I think they can keep them in check. I like the Gardner-Stephon Diggs matchup. Um, that's that's a good one for me. I think, that, like I said earlier, I think the Jets could use three safeties. The Bills, they drafted Dalton Kincaid, the tight end. They used him a lot in the preseason. In fact, they used 12 personnel about 30% of the time in the preseason, which is way more than they used it last year. So I'm really, last year they were just a base, you know, 11 offense, three wide receivers. So I'm curious to see if they use more two tight ends because of Kincaid. But uh, I, I think the Jets will be able to match up with that. Like I said earlier, I think they could go with three safeties. So I like the Jets. The one concern is the Jets, you know, pass blocking. Uh, Dwayne Brown hasn't, you know, he's only had a couple of practices thrown out there for the first time. Uh, Makai Becton, we've talked a lot about him. A little bit of a question mark. I'm a little bit concerned about his health as well. So, you know, the good thing is Von Miller's not playing. He's on pup for four weeks, so the Jets catch a break there. Uh, I think Rodgers is going to do well, you know, in this scenario. He's done great in Monday night games. In fact, he's won nine straight Monday night games, one of the longest streaks in history. So, I don't think he's going to be afraid of the big stage. I think Rodgers and that pass rush will make the difference. So I'm saying Jets in this game, 23-20 over the Bills. It'll create hysteria in New York. I know it. Everyone will have him go to the Super Bowl on Tuesday morning. Remember, it's just one game, but it is a big game. And I think the Jets really need to win this. I'm not going to say must win. That's just crazy. But I do think it's a very important game for the Jets for so many different reasons. So I'm saying 23-20 here. I like this matchup for the Jets, and uh, we'll see. I wasn't great in my picking last year. We'll see if that changes. Thanks for joining us. Thank you to Vinny Testaverde for stopping by. Always great to catch up with number 16. Great player, great person. Thanks to my producer, Jeff Scopin. We'll talk to you next week on Light Deck.